broken. Broken.
Good Lord's Day morning to you and welcome to worship. My name is Reverend Paige Campbell and I'm the pastor here at Altamont First United Methodist Church. And we're so pleased that you're with us this morning. I have no idea what your week was like. You don't know what mine was like. Maybe this week we had a great week and it's great to be in worship again. And maybe we didn't have such a great week. And maybe we really need to be in worship again. Whatever the case may be, we are now gathered here together in spirit and in truth to worship God and to give thanks to God and to worship together as a community. So I invite you now to take a moment to center yourself. Take a deep breath. If you have a candle, light a candle and let us begin our worship together. Will you join with me in our opening words? I'll read the words in white and you read the words in yellow. Raise your voices in response to God's goodness. Lift your hearts in sweet surrender to God's mercy. God is good. Praise be to God. Will you please join us in singing Christ for the World We Sing? It's in the United Methodist Hymnal number 568. Oh. 
Today, as you may or may not know, is Father's Day. And so we want to say a special blessing and thanksgiving for the fathers in our lives and for those of you who are fathers. We thank you for the care and the instruction that you give, the love, the tenderness, and just for being a dad. And we too pray for those who have lost their fathers, who are estranged from their fathers. And Lord, we pray comfort and we pray for reconciliation. And for those who are fathers, who have strained relationships with their children, we pray too for reconciliation there. Let us pray. God, we thank you for all the men who have stepped up in the world and in our lives to provide us with guidance, care, and love. Lord, we thank you for the fathers in our lives, the grandfathers, and the men who have filled those roles. Lord, we pray that what they have taught, we will continue to share. And Lord, we pray that those who are fathering today will be filled with your love and your compassion, your wisdom and your guidance as they care for those they love. Amen. I'd like to invite the children to come closer to the screen or to the TV or whatever it is that you're watching for a few moments of children's time. And as you're doing that, I'm going to clean my glasses because they're really smudgy this morning. I know some of you wear glasses. Do you know what I mean when I say that my glasses are smudgy? The few of you that are here, you understand what I mean when I say my glasses are smudgy, right? And now we're going to put these on in fear and trepidation in case I made them smudgier. Do you know what I mean by that? You do. And I did make them smudgier, but we're just going to live with it. So, as you know, today is Father's Day. I hope that today is just another day when you have told a dad, a grandpa, or just someone who has been like a dad or grandpa to you, um, how much you love them and care for them and uh, thank God for them. So that's part of today. But I wanted to think about some of the fathers that were in the Bible. And so I think back to the very beginning, and I think about there was Adam and there was Eve. And Adam was the first father that we knew about. Now, God, of course, is father of everyone, but we're going to talk about human beings here. Okay, got that? All right, human beings. So we had Adam, and Adam had two kids. Anybody know their names? Anybody? Okay, I'm going to go to my little peanut gallery here. Anyone? Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Those were Adam's two sons. And, you know, we think that Adam was a good dad, except his sons didn't act, well, really great, did they? Well, one of them did. Abel did. Abel was fine. But Cain, not so much. Do you know what Cain did? Cain killed his brother. Ugh. Now, did that, make, did that make Adam a really, really bad dad because his son did something really, really bad? No, it didn't. It didn't. Because you do bad things sometimes, don't you? Is that your dad's fault? No, it's not. 
we all have choices. We have choices to love. We have choices to listen. We have choices to follow. Do you remember last week? Well, maybe you didn't see last week, but last week I had my dogs on and I showed how they did not follow very well. Even though I love them, even though I tried to be a good pet parent, but they don't listen. Now maybe that is a reflection on me. But anyway, as I was saying, as kids, we need to listen to our parents. And we have to remember that when we do bad things, it's our fault. We made that choice. And God, our Heavenly Father, knows that. And that's why he brought his son to earth. That's why Jesus came to here. So that we could be forgiven for all the mistakes that we're going to make. That we could have a person who lived our lives and then died so that our sins could be forgiven. That is the ultimate gift of God the Father to share with all of us fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, etc. So that we can know that we have choice, but we also have forgiveness. Now, I bet there are going to be some times when your dad is going to ask you to say, I'm sorry. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So when your dad asks you to say, I'm sorry, will you do it? I certainly hope so. And I bet there are times when your mom is going to ask you to say sorry, and you should do that too. And I bet there might even be some times, and I know that there will be, that your mom or your dad are going to say sorry to you because they're imperfect as well. But just remember, it's not your job to point it out. Not until you're at least my tall, okay? Got it? All right, let us pray. God, again, we thank you for the parents in our lives, for the people who lead us and guide us. Help us to listen where we must, learn where we should, and uh, just love all the time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we enter into our time of prayer, we have prayer concerns to lift. Um, as you can see, the flowers that are flanking me here are from the funeral of Albert Zimmerman. Uh, we had Albert's funeral last Tuesday. I know it was terribly disappointing to us as a worshiping community that we couldn't all come together to celebrate Albert's life because he had a life to celebrate. 97 years old. 97 years basically in this church. His family was a part of this worshiping community for basically 100 years. So many stories to tell. So many things to share because so many of us learned so much from Albert's faithfulness. And so I want you to know that when the time comes and we can gather together, we will have a memorial for Albert. In the meantime, I ask for prayers for his daughters, um, Alice and Sue, and his wife, Marcella, and their extended family. And we just give thanks for a life that was very, very well lived. As I said at his funeral, I'm not sure there's anyone more appropriate to say this about. Um, oh, and then I just lost the, the phrase. Uh, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. 
We also want to keep the family of Dennis Hatton in our prayers. Dennis passed away on Tuesday. We want to continue to pray for others on our prayer list. Uh, Susan Winters had a successful procedure this week, and so we're hoping that she is on the mend quickly. You know, if you have anyone that you would like to add to our prayer list, please let me know. Send me an email or shoot me a text um, with that need, and we will uh, add that to the list and pray for that person um, when we gather together and then throughout the week. I invite you now into some moments of personal prayer time. Gracious and loving God, we have come together this morning to sing your praises, to offer our thanksgiving, Lord, and to just spend some time in your presence. Now, Lord, we know that you're with us all the time, but we become so wrapped up in life that we often forget that you are with us always. So it is good for us and for our relationship with you to take this special time away each week to give you thanks and praise and to lay our prayers at your feet. Because that's what you ask us to do, to come together, Lord, to commune with you and to share all that's on our hearts. So God, we thank you for the blessings, the victories, the joys that we have experienced this very week. We thank you, Lord, for the way that joy shined through in places where we saw love, where we saw understanding, where we saw grace. And God, too, we pray for all those people in those places, those spaces we know that are in need of you, of your healing, of your comfort of your guidance, of your justice. So, Lord, we lay all those at your feet as well. We pray for those we know who are in sick and need in healing. Lord, we pray for those who are mourning, that you will grant them comfort. God, we pray for those who are oppressed, that you will help them to find freedom. Lord, we pray for those who are not safe, that you will help them find shelter and safety. God, we pray for all of us, Lord, as our hearts get twisted and turned as we watch all that is going on in our world. Between coronavirus and a movement for equal rights, Lord, there's just a lot going on, and it becomes political, God, and it becomes divisive, God. Lord, help us to have your heart. Help us to have your eyes. 
Help us to have your ears. But most of all, help us to have your heart so that we can see things clearly through you and we can love like you. Lord, you know that we have been imperfect this week. We know that we have been imperfect this week, that we have done things that we shouldn't have and that we haven't done the things that we should. So God, forgive us. Lord, forgive us. May we do better next time. May we follow your way next time. God, we pray all of this and more in the wonderful, strong name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And so now we lift our voices together to you and we pray saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, two scriptures, actually, from the Gospel of Matthew. The first starts in chapter 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. And then from the very end of the same gospel of Matthew, Jesus said, chapter 28, starting at verse 16, now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of our gospel lesson this morning. I'm going to get a quick drink of water. My lectern doesn't have a little drawer down it here like my normal pulpit. <laughs> have been accused of being a bleeding heart. The first time I was accused of being a bleeding heart was when I was a senior in college. I was at a fraternity party, my boyfriend at the time's fraternity, and I was talking with this other guy there that I knew, and I was talking about what I was doing that summer. And that summer, I was working for the Appalachia Service Project. Uh, which is a home repair ministry in Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Kentucky. I had volunteered there all through high school, and the summer before, the summer before my senior year, I had worked as a summer staff person, and it had been transformative for me. Uh, brought out a lot of leadership skills. I suddenly talked in front of large groups without fear and trepidation, kind of broke out of my shyness shell because I was shy once. I know it's hard to believe, but really I was. And, um, and, but, but the reason that I had kept going back to ASP as a volunteer, and then I wanted to work for them as, um, as a summer staff person was just because I was so moved by the people that we worked for. I was moved by their plight. I was moved by the fact that back in 1993, there were Americans that didn't have running water. I was moved that there were Americans that didn't have indoor toilets, that they lived with leaking roofs and, and rotting, um, uh, you know, the undersides of their homes or their trailers were rotting, that, that they didn't have adequate electricity or they had dangerous electricity. I was moved by this. And so I went and I worked for this organization to help make the lives of some folks better. But as I was telling this other guy, I'll call him Bob. As I was talking to Bob about what I was doing for the summer, he just was incredulous. Why would you go do that? Those people could help themselves if they really wanted to. Those people could make a better life if they really wanted to, but instead they just want to sponge off the government and have other people do work for them. Now him saying that, and it didn't quite go exactly like that, this was a while ago, really upset me. And I was not only defending my own beliefs at that time, but I felt like I was defending the people that I had gone to work for, the people that I had come to know, some of whom I loved and cared for. And I got really upset. Though I'd broken out of my shell, I was still horrible at conflict. And so I was getting teary as I was talking to Bob. And that is when Bob just, you're just a bleeding heart liberal. Which 
was a very shocking statement to me because I never thought of myself as a bleeding heart liberal. I had thought of myself as a caring and hopefully compassionate Christian. Someone who stepped out of their comfort zone to help where they could those who were in need. But Bob didn't see it that way. But I think Jesus saw it my way, and that's why I see it the way that I do. Our scripture this morning in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus has just finished a long discourse um, and preached to the people, and now after he has, he has gone about and he has healed people and, 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 and such, he's sending out his disciples to do the same. Because, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. I'll admit to you, I hadn't really heard all these words until just recently. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw a deep and profound need amongst those he was in ministry with. He saw the crowds. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is, where, this is Jesus we're talking about. The same Jesus who wept when Lazarus died and who prayed in intense agony this is a Jesus who had compassion on the crowds. Now, if you Google the word compassion, you get the definition, sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. But I would argue that that's not exactly a correct definition because the roots of the word compassion in Latin are calm and pati. Calm meaning with and pati, which means to suffer. So compassion is suffering with. You have feelings with someone. You are feeling it together. The word actually in Greek in the scripture, which I cannot possibly pronounce for you, it's like esplanisthi. Uh, I didn't take Greek, I'm sorry. But the Greek word there that is used connotes a twisting pain in your insides, an Im intense emotion. It's a common translation for the Hebrew word reham, which means womb, and points to the pains that a woman feels during childbirth. That's how Jesus felt when he saw the crowds. Crowds that were total strangers to him, yet he knew them so intimately and he cared for them so deeply that when he saw their plight, he literally hurt. Like grabbing your stomach in pain. That is what he felt for them. He saw them and he hurt. Now let's note what he didn't do. 
He didn't judge them for them being the way that they were. He didn't try to justify why they were lost. He didn't try to blame them for their current situation. He didn't critique them and he did not pity them. Instead, he understood that they were harassed and helpless and in need and that he could help provide for that need. But he knew that he could not do it alone. The harvest was ready, he said. The harvest was ready. So he sent out his 12 disciples. Now let's think about who these 12 disciples were. I'm going to be honest with you, I was never made to memorize all their names as a kid. I know some of you have great songs about all the, the disciples' names. I could probably ask someone to, to sing one for me. I, I never did that. But what I do know is that this was not a homogenous group, meaning these were not all men with the exact same thoughts or views about anything. You had a tax collector who worked for the Romans, and then you had someone described as a zealot who fought against the Romans. You had Peter, who denied Christ, and you had Judas, who, well, I mean, he turned Jesus in. You had two brothers who were always fighting for the most attention with Jesus. You had a group of ragtag individuals who did not think or feel the same about everything, but who still heard Jesus's call. And Jesus said, the harvest is ready. Who's going to go out? The laborers. Who are going to be the laborers? And so then Jesus sent out the disciples to have compassion, to meet the needs of the people that were out there. Those that were harassed and helpless. The phrase harassed and helpless is one, like I said, that I hadn't recognized in the scripture before, but now really just stands out for me and for our own culture. Because I feel there's a lot of that that many of us are experiencing. We are feeling harassed. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've heard people complain about social media posts or about how many people they put on silent because they can't handle all the rhetoric. We're getting it from all sides and it feels overwhelming. And those who are helpless, helpless because they are in a position where they don't know how to improve where they're at. They're helpless because they're in a, I don't know, a, a, a heartbreaking friendship. They're their, their job is just not showing them any promise. They're, they're feeling depressed. They're lonely. They're helpless. Our world, our community is filled with the harassed and the helpless. And Jesus calls all of us to go out and to see the people, to see those in need, and to do what we can 
But the key is we need to see the people like Jesus saw the people. To have that feeling when we see someone hurt. To not judge, not to prejudge, but to see someone with Christ's eyes and say, they are hurting, how can I help? Seeing the people then means seeing the community where people are in, the society that they're a part of, the culture that they are a member of, because all of these things shape a person and shape a situation and has great influence. It influences you and it influences me. We must see people so that we can truly know them. Not to make assumptions and presumptions based on where they live, the car that they drive, the town that they grew up in, or the clothes that they wear. Now this may seem like basic stuff, but I think we have to remind ourselves of it on a regular basis to keep seeing people as Jesus saw them and then ask ourselves, are we seeing the people around us? I look at the neighborhood that this church is located in. I see children playing at the park. I see families walking down the street. But I have to ask, as a congregation, do we see the people? Are we looking to figure out how we can be in ministry to them? How can we meet their needs? And if we see a need that they have, do we have compassion? Are we feeling it in our gut? Or are we passing judgment? Are we seeing the people in our very own community? Who is it that we need to have compassion for? Here in Altamont or in the city that you live in. Who do you need to see that you haven't been seeing? You know, at first in Jesus's ministry, he limited where the disciples went. He said, stay only amongst the people of Israel. But then after his death and resurrection, in his final statement to the disciples, before he was ascended into heaven, he told the disciples to go out and make disciples of all the world. All the world. Reminding us then too that our communities are not the end all be all that we must see beyond. That just because something isn't happening where you live doesn't mean it's not important. If there are people who are hurting in another community, in another country, in another place, should that cause your heart to stir as well? Yes. Should that cause your heart to stir you into action? Yes. Yes. And God will place on some of our hearts a passion for needs beyond our community, and for some, God will place passion on our hearts for the things going on right here. But the most important part is that we see the people, and we see 
how we can reach them, how we can share with them, how we can show God's love to them, how we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus saw the people and he had compassion for them, for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. God is calling you to be one of those laborers. God is calling you to go out into the harvest. God is calling you to see the people around you, see the needs, and to have compassion. But not only just have compassion, but then have action. Action. I don't know, sometimes I think that with all this stay at home with the coronavirus, maybe what we should have been doing is thinking how much better we need to be living when we actually can go out. Not how much better we can be living like how many more restaurants we can go to or such, but how can we be treating one another better? How can we be loving each other better? Have we been thinking about these things or have we been caught up in our own thoughts of how we are being denied because we cannot go out. Well, things are loosening up. In just a few weeks, we'll be in phase four here in Illinois. So when you go out, will you see the people? And will you be moved to do something? To start a new ministry? To talk with someone you haven't talked with before? to challenge a Facebook post that you find challenging. What are you going to do? Who will you see? And how will you show compassion? Let's pray together. Oh Lord, oh Lord, there is so much that we could do. Yet we don't because we don't even want to look. We don't want our eyes opened to those who might be different from us, who might challenge us, whose lives are different from ours. But God, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray that you will soften our hearts and open our minds so that we might see everyone as you do. That we will see each person as a beloved child of God. And that when there is a need, that we will do our best to meet it. Be it a physical need, be it a need within society, and especially if it's the need of knowing your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. 
I invite you now to join in our response to the word. So if you will say with me these words, triune God, we praise you as the God of love and life. Though Jesus prayed that we would be one, we confess that we fail to live in unity with each other and with you. We break our communion through hostile words and unkind actions. We long for your spirit to heal us and to correct us. We long for you to help us experience communion with you and with each other. Even now, dependent on your grace, we commit ourselves to live more fully in the unity you desire through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. It takes a village to raise a child. It takes a community to keep the church going. So I'd like to thank all of those who have made contributions, offerings, and tithes to our church. And if you're someone who's watching from home, maybe you've never even walked through the doors of our church, but you have found our Sunday morning worship to be a way for you to experience God, then I ask you and encourage you to make an offering to our church. You can send your offerings to the First United Methodist Church, 308 North 2nd Street in Altamont, 62411. In these days, we cannot pass the plate. So we are dependent upon your generosity to send in your contributions to help our ministry be sustained and more importantly, to help our ministry grow. So in thanksgiving for the gifts that we have received and as a way to ask God to bless them to God's use in our community and the world, let us sing together Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Jesus Now for some news to share. I forgot to write down the order of these slides, so Charlie's going to prompt me with what the first slide says. Reopening. Re the reopening committee will be meeting tomorrow at 6 p.m. here in the, in the fellowship hall. Is that what I'm talking about? Excellent. Uh, they will be wearing their masks and they are going to be talking about how we will continue our reopening process as we enter into stage four. So keep your eyes and ears peeled to your email, to your newsletter, and to Facebook for updates from that committee. Oh, 
we are offering special small group worship experiences during the week. And so if you would like to come and experience a small group worship here in the sanctuary, we are offering those on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. and also then on Sundays at noon. If you'd like to come, please call to register your attendance as we do have a limit to the number of folks who can come. The worship service is about 30 minutes. So if you'd like to come this Wednesday, we have room. Please give me or the church a call or email. The food pantry continues its wonderful work and is open on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 1 until 3 o'clock. Yes, we are accepting donations while the church office is open. Um, and please know that the, uh, anyone can come to the food pantry once a week. All you need is to be living within the Altamont School District. Oh, worship in the park. All right, so on July the 5th, we are going to host a worship in the park we think the park across the street is called Klitzing Park. Is that right? Also known as the Railroad Park. Also known where the high school used to be or the grade school or train park. Train park. There you go. Um, but we're going to be having outdoor worship there on Sunday, uh, the 5th of June, or July, excuse me. Now, because of um, phase four rules, it will still be a limit of 50 people. You will need to bring your own chairs, and you will have to wear masks, and we will be socially distanced. So, we will tell you soon, but get this on your calendar, and we will be sharing with you how you can register to attend outdoor worship and all of our future worship services. What else do I have, Charlie? Oh, if you would like to contact me, please. My telephone number is 217-254-1860, or you can email me at pagewarnercampbell at gmail.com. Please send in any prayer requests, um, and if you need to get a hold of me in any way, shape, or form, you can. Um, also of note, Bible study is meeting on Tuesday at 9 a.m. Here we are going through the book of John. Um, if you would like to attend, please call me uh, to register so that we keep ourselves under the cap of 10 people. So that being said, let us sing together our closing hymn and let us pay attention and truly sing with our hearts the lyrics of open my eyes that I may see. Number 454 in the United Methodist Hymnal. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth
Go in peace, go in love. Go knowing God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and share God's love with everyone that you meet. Amen.